Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. On this episode, when I was 13, I started watching people that were fixing diggers. They charged like 500 pounds a day. And so I just used to watch and learn and all of that. And then I went to somebody else and just said, look, I'll do them at 250 a day. So at one point when I was probably 14, I could earn 500 pounds a week. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. I'm Anna Geary. We're dead excited about today's podcast with Jamie York. He's based in Leeds and runs Aspire Properties. It was really good to chat to him. We found out a lot about how he got started, what drives him and all about his mindset too. As with all of our guests, he's recommended a book. If you want to win this book, you'll need to rate and review this podcast and take a screenshot and send it to us. Find out more about how you can win that recommended book after we hear from Jamie York. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. It's great to be on. Thank you for having me. Um, In terms of background, I mean, I'm sure a lot of it will just come out naturally in conversation. But um, I've been I've been in business for around eight years now. I'm 28 now, still a baby, I guess, and um, got started in business from a very young age. And everyone thinks they're an entrepreneur, don't they? Early doors. So, you know, the usual hustling on the playground and things like that, that actually ended up developing into what I would call business today. So it was always a motivation from pain. And then I facilitated that pain to get over it and then stopped. And then as soon as the next pain or want came over, I developed and then stopped. And then it was only really when I met my business partner and started doing business together when I was around 19, 20, that we started really delving into our businesses. Originally, that started in property as the core focus, still is the core of pretty much everything that I do. And then since then, developed out a portfolio. I trade on properties for our investor clients. I've got a construction company, an online agency, and it's sort of just built out from there. And then, and then I've just sort of started investing in other people's projects, in other people. Um, I've got a gym, classic car club. So now I just sort of look at businesses where I think there's opportunity. And uh, yeah, now just sort of building the personal brand, if you like to tie it all in so I can direct traffic in whatever business I see fit at the time. Did you have a plan or did you just want to get into business and make money? I'd love to say it was all planned out. People always ask why I live in Leeds and I, I, oh yeah, it was because I researched a market and I knew it was going to do. No, I didn't. It was um, so I always I always had an entrepreneurial spirit like I've I've never struggled to make money. Like if I need an extra, when I was a kid, 500 pounds, a thousand pounds, something like that, then I'd just go and make it. You know, it wasn't gonna be a major difficulty, but it would just be whatever was trending at the time. So I guess a fad entrepreneur um, in a non-professional capacity. And then my my family are all pretty hands-on people, you know, builders, scaffolders, plasterers, plumbers, central eating, that sort of thing. So. I was always pretty hands-on as a kid. Like if I needed to earn money when I was 13, 14, it'd usually be with my hands laboring or something like that. Um, and I was a kid that watched one too many episodes of Homes Under the Hammer. You guys watched it, right? Is it the same one that's got Dion Dublin in it now? Like yeah. I'm a Leicester City fan, so Dion Dublin to me is just used to play for football <laughs> Leicester because I yeah. don't watch much TV. I remember catching it once and going, what's Dion Dublin doing? On a yeah. on a program to do with houses, but yeah, so that threw me that time. But yeah, I know which one you mean. Then I used to watch it, and Martin Lucy, who at that time I was like, they're the gods. They must be, otherwise, why are they presenting this? Were giving advice on what not to do, and it seemed like every episode, the the guy, the woman ignored all of the advice, and then still made loads of money. 
And I thought, well, if this idiot can do it, then I'm sure I can too. So I ended up doing that when I was 19, 20. I bought my first house in Burnley, which was 21,800. Um, and it was just, you know how they say, buy the, um, the worst house in the best street. Yeah. And I, I just ignored that. And they also say, don't, don't do it further away than 40 minutes or your gold mine area, whatever it is. So I lived in London at the time. I went up to Burnley, which is about 220 miles. Um, and it was the worst house in the worst street in the worst area of Burnley. And I thought, yes, 20 grand. How can you go wrong? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I always I always knew it would be in property and I sort of always pushed and I always wanted to be a millionaire. That was an obsession when I was younger. And then property is to develop, develop, develop. And then now it's looking at other businesses. Um, I never planned the gym. I just wanted that because it's a subscription business. I never planned the classic cars. It was just I like old cars and started to get into it. Um, but there's a definite vision down the line, maybe in the next probably six, seven years to the main source of what I'm doing to be buying and selling pre-existing businesses that are struggling. The gym side is interesting. It's, I, I was thinking, I read something somewhere a while ago about um, trying to get every single business model, that, that well, every single business that's out there into a subscription model, like whatever it may be, because that's the, that's the way forward, isn't it? Because you've got something that's constantly coming in. And obviously a gym's an obvious one for that, but there's lots of different random things popping up all the time that are subscription models now, apparently, as you like your cars apparently there's going to be where you pay an amount a lot of money i would assume and then you have a subscription model so you can have uh, just you know a ferrari or a porsche or and you just switch it up you don't actually own them you just pay a ton of money every month and then uh, like every six months or something you get a new new drive that you want to drive but it's ridiculous money you know like it'd be thousands and thousands of pounds a month you pay subscription wise but then you've always got like an interchange of different cars. So that's that's an interesting model. Yeah, it makes it a more equitable business. So they're, they're not exactly cash cows, but if you're selling it to a private equity firm or hedge fund at the end, a lot of them are looking for stability. Mm. Um, it's why letting agents, a lot of them make hardly any money, but they sell for such ridiculous sums because if you made a million turnover last month, you can put a heavy bet that you're going to get around a million this month. Yeah, um, it's, yeah it's, it's exactly what I am doing with the classic. Uh, so at the moment, I buy a car, I backdate it to its original capacity, race them for a while, sell them on. But the aim is to have a car club in London where really it's just me geeking out on all of the cars that I've always wanted um, and then saying it's a business venture, really. Um, but <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a similar model if, you, if you've ever watched Suits where um, Harvey Specter goes and he's got like this rent it out so basically yeah, hard inspector perfect client loads of money and then just yeah you cycle usually a week or two at a time really which one's your favorite car of the ones you've got at the moment i had three porsches two ferraris and my cheapest one is a 1975 911 race so it's completely stripped out um it's literally just roller bars inside it's horrible to drive Every time it rains, it leaks inside of it. It stinks when you get in a petrol. That's my favorite one. I absolutely love it. And when you're driving it more than 30 miles, your wrists are absolutely killing. Because funny enough, there's no power steering. But yeah, I love that. Because you could just tear it around. It's like living... You could have just had my old Ford Fiesta if you wanted that kind of experience. My first well, ever. Just, you know, heated seat and a radio. That's yeah. my, what I need. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my mate got in it and I sort of strapped him in because it's race thing. You have to make sure it's tight. And he went, well, it's a charger. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't come from like, you know, a millionaire background. It's not like daddy 
you know has bought you all these businesses you've started for literally from nothing what yeah. do you still have those same friends are they still from like growing up what are those friends still your friends or have you had to kind of move on or how, how's that sort of relationship happen with you yes and no so you know in, in business you, you hear a lot about trading up and stuff like that um and i i, I get it from a business point of view um in the you know if if somebody's not putting pressure on you to develop in business you're out of their league, get them out. Um, and it's it's sort of like um, two types of people in the world. You've got people that bring their own batteries and then there's people that are a battery pack, you know, and they're, and they're sapping your energy. So in business terms, I'm very clear on who I spend my time with. It's people with batteries. I feel charged around them. I feel excited around them and I'm, I'm generated around them. If I'm finding that I'm giving too much energy to them, then I want to get them out of my business life as soon as possible. And ultimately, if in my personal life, I feel sapped when I talk to them, I'm getting rid of them. I'm pretty brutal with that, whether it's friends or family. And it's not getting rid of them permanently. Um, but my brother, I apologize, Michael, if you're listening to this. Um, but like, he went through periods where all he would ever call me for is to get something for me. And I just said to him once, I was like, look, mate, every time I talk to you, I'm feeling a bit crappy in myself. Um, I feel like you're just sapping off me. And we maybe didn't talk for like three months, four months. And I still love him, you know, it's still blood. You're always going to be there for each other. Um, but you, you, you can't. I don't want people to be a charity case just because I've earned money or I don't want people yeah. to be sapping my energy because actually I mirror people quite a lot. So if somebody's happy around me, I feel happy. If yeah. somebody's sad, I invest in people's emotions probably too much, really. If you think like it's when people say in relationships are oh, you've 10 years on, you've changed. You're like, yeah, I hope yeah. so. <laughs> like, like, Definitely. We want to be changing. Yeah, I'm a bit of a knob now, let, let alone what I was like 10 years ago, right? <laughs> it's a good job I changed. Let me tell you that, I'll probably be dead. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't changed, you haven't developed, and you're not improving, and it, it might not be a change for the better, of course, but hopefully it is. So it makes sense that you're not hanging around with the same people. Um, I, I think that's okay in all areas of yeah. life, relationships in life, that if you're not developing, you're diving, and it's sort of like, do you want to survive or thrive in business and life? You are an element um, of the people you hang out with, right? Your whole, your network is your net worth, or you are the average of the five people you spend most time with. People kind of fit you, or you fit them for a certain phase in your life. I don't, you know, don't hold by, you meet people at school and they're going to be your friends for the rest of your life. Definitely not. That's no. I keep telling my kids, I keep saying to them, Friend, friends are overrated, guys. Yeah. I'm, always telling, I'm always saying that to them. I definitely think that if you have it too easy through school or in your childhood, either because you're really attractive or you're one of the cool kids or you, you know, find schoolwork quite easy, you don't build that ability to try really hard, which is what's going to get you through the rest of your life. Everything's in balance, like, like statistically proven, better looking people usually get better results in life because if, if somebody's overweight, there's that subconscious belief that they, if they can't look after themselves, how can they look after my money and things like that? Yeah. Um, and you know, which which is an element of that is is probably true. Yeah, there is that element, and it's the same as when people started with money. You know, oh yeah, it was all right for you. You started with money. It's like, well, yes, they've definitely got a leg up in life, and yes, I'm probably a bit jealous. Well, not jealous, but some people would be a bit jealous at that. But at the same time, they go through life with every accolade that they achieve. A lot of it being called up. It's right for you, mate. You started with a million. Yeah. yeah. But anyone that turns one million into two million is an incredible business yes. person. 
You know, that, that is not easy. And is getting from zero to a million a lot harder? Yes, of course it is. But let's say it's the equivalent of getting a quarter of a million pound in your bank when you started from broke. That is bloody hard graft. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Sometimes when people are the really good looking one, the rich one, there's always that element of look how beautiful, freshly cut and green your grass is, how wonderful your life must be. But actually, um, problems are always in the context of the person. If you've got sisters and brothers that are younger than you, you might, when you were doing your university degree, and I remember I was doing my degree and my little brother, Josh, was doing his GCSEs and he was stressing out. And I was like, GCSEs, are you kidding me? And it's just like, yeah, but if you remember how you felt yeah. at that time when you were doing your first qualifications, when you were school, uh, lining up outside the, what else was the school sports hall to go in, I remember people being like, Oh my God, oh my God, this, this one test is going to dictate the rest of my life. Whereas I just didn't go because I've been to a house party because <laughs> I had no pressure on me. So there's no expectations from any like, you know, because I was just average across the board. The pressure the schools put on them, I think. Because yeah, they, the they so, need the great I'm learner. guessing, Jamie, if you started your business at about 1920, you've never had a real job, as it were. So what was in you that made you think, right, I want to make some money, but I'm not just going to go and get a job like, you know, 99% of the other people. I'm going to actually go and work for myself and get this money. Did you have a role model or a certain, you know, in your family or in your life? Or, you know, was it something you read? What, what was it? I think it's always an assumption um, that like, I well, where was the time for a job? But I always look at my life and I think, this might sound a bit weird. I think I've just had a an accelerated life. Like, I'm 28, which, you know, I'm still aware I'm still a kid and naive to a lot of the things that come up in the world. But I've probably experienced in those 28 years a lot more than most people or a lot of people that I know um, that have lived for 50 years from a lot of different areas of life. And I actually think that's led to the relative success that I've had in financially, let's say. My first earning job was when I was 13. I started fixing mini diggers between 13 and 14. And I worked in um, this, this company called Aim Hire. And uh, I started watching people that were fixing diggers. They charged like 500 pound a day. And so I just used to watch and learn and all of that. Then I went to somebody else and just said, look, I'll do them at 250 a day. And I just said, give me a couple of months. I'll fix them for free so I can prove that I can do it. And then that. So at one point when I was for probably 14, maybe close to 15 at that point, um, I could earn 500 pound a week see that's pretty exceptional you know i know you're just saying oh i just i watched them so i did it but it's quite exceptional yeah because uh, when i was 13 i uh washed pots in the local or restaurant around, you know. <laughs> and i had a paper around yeah and all dogs. dogs so and that's, yeah. and that's the norm yeah. isn't it yeah. So, yeah i think you're kind of downplaying it but your thinking behind why you did that or how to do it is actually quite exceptional i'd say i yeah i do, do you know what like um there's there's no I know a lot of people in my situation have that like one person that it was there. But like, you know, I used to like work really hard. So when when I was 16, I worked in Subway. Um, I was a sandwich artist. Um, that's what they called us. Um, basically, Nothing. I put food in a baguette um, that was all pre-made food, right? Um, so, <laughs> but, but even then I was doing a full-time job, full-time hours, 40 hours a week um, whilst I was at school. And I'm pretty sure it was illegal, but I used to do all the clothes, which I'm pretty sure you have to be 16 for, or 18 for, sorry. Um, and then I was getting paid five pounds an hour. And I was just like, it's not not that rewarding having a job, is it? 
Like, I mean, actually getting 200 pound a week was like, I was rich. Um, yes. Yeah, I was rich. Um, but I don't have this one person. I think it was a mixture of a couple of things. So first of all, my mom has never made good money, um, but she's always been very good with money. Like we always got a holiday each year. And, you know, my, my dad left my mom when uh, I was three months old, single mom, four kids, struggled a little bit. Um, but we always got that holiday each year. We mm. always had clothes to, you know, we, we weren't growing too fast for our clothes, all that sort of thing. So she was good at saving. So I got that mentality from her. My dad was pretty good at making money. He owned his own little business. It was a plumbing and central heating business, had like five, six people working for him. Um, he was good at making money, but he was the typical like come home at the end of the week with a few grand, probably dodging a bit of tax and then spunked it up the wall down the pub. Yeah. You know, so so he had that obsession with becoming a millionaire, which maybe is where I got it from there. And then I think that that gap that was created in my life, I don't know if this is true, by the way, but this is how I'm analyzing it is at home. I, we didn't we didn't have much like people seem to get bought the new PlayStation, PlayStation games. I didn't have any of that. And then I went to a pretty good school. It wasn't a private school, but it was the best. It was Dartford Grammar, which was one of the best grammar schools in the area in Kent at that point. Um, I don't know if it still is. And but the but the people there were getting dropped off in these ridiculous cars. A friend of mine for his 17th whilst he was learning to drive got a jag to learn in. And I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm there like I'm trying to earn to pay my uh, pay for my lessons, you know. And my mum used to drop me off on my dad's beaten up van. And then when I was 13, unfortunately my dad passed away. And that was quite a pivotal moment, not just from like the father figure role model, but it was a very rude awakening to how quickly things can be taken away um, yeah. from you. And then I really had a lot of reflection then of going, do you know what? I'm 13, but I don't want to work for people. Mm. Um, and so I knew that I'd, I'd probably have to to get the first step, but it was just like it can all be taken away um very very quickly and i think when you've got that mix of ingredients um because i think with most people it's not one person it's not like i don't think there is a set pivotal point but if no. you look at those ingredients together there was only going to be probably one of two outcomes either i was going to go right that's it trousers on i'm the man of the house i'm going for it or i'm going to go down the wrong path mm -hmm. um and the element of that is me and michael my brother is at that point I decided to look at who I was spending my time with because I was going down, you know, drinking, maybe getting into the drugs, that sort of thing. And I got out of that and started being in a different crowd and started wanting to earn money and push myself, stuff like that. Actually, if you look at a lot of successful entrepreneurs, there, there is that sort of mix in there of some hardship, some loss and things like that. And I, I think I'm always attached to that, that, you know, I'm 28 now. My dad was 38 um when he died and it's kind of wow. like if if i had 10 years left because that's not a long time yeah. if i had 10 years left would i be doing what i'm doing today and i think i think i feel so fortunate that might be a morose way of thinking about things but i feel so fortunate that i do think that way because every day is precious then yeah i definitely agree that some adversity as you grow up can help you become determined to not 
live like this forever. The amount of people that I saw crumble because of, um, you know, this coronavirus hit and obviously it just means change. That's all it means. And, it, and the amount of people that I, I don't really know them that well, but maybe I'm connected to them on social media and I follow them and I've always respected them. And I just thought, wow, you've like gone, like gone to pot. And it's because change was pushed on them without them choosing that and I thought wow maybe they've never had that I mean like we've I've, obviously we've all had lots of change in our lives so we kind of think right okay it's the next change what how do we work with it how do we overcome it but if people have never had that and they've always had this really nice sort of life yeah. that's kind of gone no, nothing's ever perfect but it's kind of gone down the right uh the, the path they they've chosen all the time it's never been that tough little things little ups and downs but nothing major and then everything that they'd lined up and got all, all where exactly they wanted it all of a sudden it's just gone and it's not their fault it just you know went to absolute pot it's you know it's crazy to to see it there are more millionaires made, made in a recession than there are a boom mm -hmm. uh, and that's because of the lack of or lower competition um barriers to entry or a little bit harder um for people but there's that opportunity and change and there's there's this i don't know if you've ever ever heard of stoicism it's a stoic stoic philosophy and um, a really big part of it is understanding that in your life there are controllables and uncontrollables. So almost like a, a an advanced version of what somebody says is down to them. How it makes you feel is down to you. You know, you don't have to choose to yeah. feel negative or choose to feel positive or choose to feel anything based on somebody's words, actions, emotions around you. And the stoic philosophy is actually what I can control is how many phone calls I make in a day. What I could control is talking to my clients and say, hey, how are you feeling right now? What I can control is the marketing that I put out there, the sales that I do, um, training my staff, making my staff feel comfortable um, and doing that. So uh, whereas coronavirus, the black swan event, you can't control. I, I don't decide who dies today and tomorrow. I don't decide what happens to the economy tomorrow. But you're absolutely right. So many people, I mean, obviously I'm in the property industry that you'd think would be absolutely here we, we've done like i think we're close to eight hundred thousand now in the last you've been doing well haven't you? i noticed i think i saw you put a post out i thought you're still doing it oh, so what happened to that twenty thousand pound house you bought your first one i'd love to say i still got it but no i i i end up so 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 as i said i'm pretty hands-on and i go up to burnley pretty much i i bought the house and then i had no money left mm -hmm. um the reason i 21,800 is I didn't have money for a mortgage right and I wasn't going to get a mortgage uh, at that age so I bought it and then had no money left and my friend's dad bought me a van and a set of tools tools, tools and toolbox and went go on and go do your thing which is really sweet actually yeah. and that, that if it that van would I be doing what I'm doing today possibly not it's who knows it's a pivotal you know? moment in your life what ended up happening is I would work cash in hand Monday to Friday, get my money. Um, I was at uni at this point as well. And um, I'd drive up to Burnley on the Friday night. I'd sleep in the back with a sleeping bag in the back of the van. And I just pretty much did the whole house myself. Rooms plastered, got the radiators on. And then the kitchen um, hadn't been put in in that one room. And I thought, oh, I don't know how to put a kitchen in. I don't know how to mitre the corners. I'm not going to try that because that's too, too much for me. And there was a guy next door called Steve. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And then I'll plaster it for you. No worries. That's what I do. And I thought, yeah, no worries. So literally gave him the cash up front, which, by the way, big no, no. Um, and then I thought, yeah, just give me a text once it's all sorted. Three, four weeks went past. I'm thinking uh, something's not right here. And bear in mind, this is like 
eight months, nine months later, that's how long it took me to get to that yeah. point. And I walked up and I opened the door and, you know, you can immediately sense something was wrong. Like I got hit by this. I was like, mm, something's not quite right here. And I went in and the radiators weren't there. Um, the wires had been pulled out of the wall. You know, when you put it in the wall with the bonding, that was all pulled out. The RCD unit was gone. The pipes were gone. I went in the back. My tools were gone. The oh. kitchen wasn't there at all. Like, I don't mean installed. The kitchen wasn't there. And the kitchen floor was dug up and i was like why is the kitchen floor dug up and it turns out in that area there's um a load of lead in the floor in there so it's worth a bit of money and i thought i actually thought fair play if you're going to go through the effort dig it up the floor have it you know it, like my response was a little bit more emotional than that. but um i thought right so i bang next door trying to find out and i see the curtains moving upstairs and i'm like well there's obviously in i'm shouting up steve 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 I end up looking through the window. These are like two by two houses, you know, and I'm looking at the back of this mid terrace and I'm like, huh. And at the back in his kitchen, I see my kitchen installed in his kitchen. I'm just like, you just wouldn't have the nerve to put it in your own house. The balls that you've got to have yes. to nick your next door neighbor's kitchen, not even sell it on and then deny it. Like, oh, there's no kitchen there. To install yeah. it in your kitchen. That was a, that was a good learning point. So yeah, I ended up selling that. Um, just thought, you know what, like get just, rid. Yeah, you know what, and that that's probably a good lesson. Like sometimes a lot of people would have given up then. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I almost did to be fair, and it, mm. it was Dan that was just like, look, come and get like this education. This has been represented. A friend of ours called Alex Zipatowski. Um, he was in property already for a few years. He was like, yeah, you should come along to this event. So we did, and I was like, what? There are people teaching this stuff all of that and and actually as i was doing that property i found another property down the road negotiated it for like 18 grand and i was like yeah that's an amazing deal and then i was like oh, i don't actually have any money um to buy it and i was down the pub with my mate he said look my dad buys properties um like this and i went well here's the woman's number this is what the price i agreed it with he might as well do something i can't do anything with it probably a couple of months later really down the pub and his dad comes in with an envelope puts two grand down and i'm just like oh yeah What's this about? You know, from where I'm from, if somebody gives you two grand cash, they're usually expecting something. And um, <laughs> and he was just like, no, no, you found me a good investment and uh, find me another one. I'll give you some more money. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, I'm a pioneer. You know, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to do this. I'm going to do that. People are going to want to learn this. I'm going to hustle and do that. And I, I was thinking this all the way home. And then by the time I got home and I Googled it and uh, I was just like, oh, actually, it's called deal packaging it's you know? the thing <laughs> yeah hundreds of people do this already but yeah. you know all right but good for him for doing it when you hadn't yeah. requested it oh, you know, you know, you know, again chaos theory if you didn't do that would i have would i have searched it ever would i be mm. would I have this would i would i have the office would i have to stop hard to imagine so right mm. so yeah it's small things can open up all opportunities and i, I think it's worth remembering two things from that like one it's okay to cut your losses. Um, the, the problem with social media now is everything's so public. And when you make something public, there's that pressure on not only accountability, which is mm. good, but there's pressure to succeed. But I actually think there's a lot, there's there's a lot that's okay. We're saying yes. I gave that a good go and it didn't work. Um, I think the other thing is just accepting that, you know, as you're going out there and trying to make things work, just do what you do because all it takes is one door out of thousands to open. 
to open up the rest of your life and And being ready for it as well and open to it before anita and i worked together and started the get savvy club like i had i was doing a bit of property sourcing i had a recruitment business i was doing a bit of network marketing it was all over the place all and nothing really sat right the reason i did the property was more running away from wanting to do the recruitment rather than wanting to do the property i mean i still love that world and i still obviously want to have that as an asset class but not working it day to day and then obviously then when we you know thought oh we'll just do this little thing we'll do a project together we said nearly a year later we've got the get savvy club and we're running it and it's it's the main thing and what we teach is people to get their main thing but yeah it is hard for people to sort of go actually i'm not doing that anymore and you can't be successful without having all those failures but people are trying to pretend that they're these overnight successes that have like you know got the Midas touch when we were all obviously told stay at home and blah 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 and you can't go to work and things obviously you have a vibrant busy office that you that you run I think you were doing a Facebook live or something (laughs) just you in this empty like office and I was like that's what I want to see I want to see like what it it looks like for people now like in these sort of changing times and how they're managing it and things and probably you Jamie don't even realize that you're doing it when you're doing it because you are just documenting as you go along but it, it does really help and inspire other people to think okay it's okay to do that not just be like here's yeah. my newest car here's my here's my keys um you know oh, to the next yeah. place that i bought kind that, of a that, that's shop. actually inspired it every friday i do it f up fridays um um and that was inspired because on property groups you see people like another set of keys and i'm just like i've never seen you post before <laughs> who are you <laughs> who are you and now you're posting your keys and it's like and that's really inspirational but yeah. a lot of people are hold on i was on the same course as you why are you doing so well yeah. and so i wanted to show people that actually to get to that win there's a lot of losses or, or or stumbles it's kind of like running a marathon expecting not to trip up or get some cramp it's just like nah you're gonna be bruised as hell and so i just made a conscious choice that you know i'm gonna document a lot of the journey so you know we've just hired a multimedia manager a videographer i made a conscious choice that if i'm going to document i'm going to document it and i like alex one of the first things he says is like well is there anything you don't like you did is there anything you don't want me to mm. say like, no like ask me anything and it's it's the same as when i'm documenting if i'm having a fucking breakdown and i'm crying in the office i, I had a cry last week actually i just really got overwhelmed with something document it because i'm okay with that because that's the reality because being an entrepreneur is fucking hard yeah it's really hard you, you you don't get there and stop do you like you oh don't. i'm a millionaire i'll kick back and you know you order a beer. No. And, and showing the villa showing flying on the jet that's cool good on you but don't just portray that's the outcome of your life like yeah. i think outcomes are really good to inspire people that these are the results one of the things we're going to ask every single person that comes as a guest on our podcast is to um well a couple of things one is to have a book uh, recommendation so a book could be self-development could be um you know a business book a marketing book but a, a book that you really rate and uh, you could do a bit of a shout out about and we're actually going to give one away um every every episode that we do with a guest we're going to give away um the book that they recommend so which what book would you recommend to our listeners try to go for a book that most people maybe haven't heard of um it's, it's one that i'm actually listening to again now it's called the, the obstacle is the way let me just see who it's by um ryan holiday or it's ryan holiday reading it anyway um and it's basically about most people spend their lives avoiding obstacles avoiding challenges you know you, you've heard the phrase i'm all for an easy life and it's like anyone that's all for an easy life has an average life. And that's okay if you want mm-hmm. to be contented. But I want an elite life in every area of what I do. The obstacle is often the solution. 
And actually, when these problems come up, they often provide the solution. Corona is an obstacle. Ironically, in the property business, prime example, first thing I did when we went into lockdown is I got the staff together, got on a group call, and I just said, first of all, I want you to know we've got cash. And I was like, we've got cash reserves. We weren't prepared for Corona, but we were we were prepared for this sort of thing. We've got reserves. None of your jobs are up. That's fantastic for them to feel to know that you've got their back yeah. in. So yeah. the next thing I said is, however, I'm going to be expecting from you more than I've ever expected of you over the next few months. It's going to be really hard. We need to go all in. The next thing is, how are investors going to buy properties without viewing them? That's the obstacle. And so what I did is I got on the phone to investors. What would cause you to buy a property? And I'd find out what is it you're actually looking for? Well, the first thing I'm looking at is the roof. OK, what are you looking for on the roof? Well, are there any loose tiles? OK, check for loose tiles. What else? Well, I'm checking the flashing around the chimney to make sure that, you know, all that. OK, and I'm looking at the guttering. You know, is there anything in there? Is it crap? OK, cool. Eventually, we end up having like, a, I think it's 13 page virtual viewing document. And so within two weeks, I'd probably say about 85, 90 percent, 90 percent of our investors didn't need to view a property. And most of them still, now that it's open up, still don't yeah. care. So the obstacle created the solution for us. Another question we're going to ask everybody on this podcast is what makes you savvy? Obviously, we're the savvy club. So what would make what makes you savvy in, in life and business? I think having self-awareness. Um, I'm, I'm very clear on who I am, what I'm about and what I'm not about. And I know people will like me because of that. And I know people will not like me because of that. But at least they're genuinely not liking me. And what I see out there is a lot of people pretending to be other people who, by the way, some people like you because of that and some people don't like you. But the problem is none of them like you because none of them know you. I think self-awareness is key. And, and then when you know that, and even to your core, you're talking about, Anna, the, the different things you tried, even if you made a massive success and money from that, just realizing that how you make your money is more important than how much money you make. Um, and, you know, happiness is not going to come when you've got that million pound. And so when people say the journey, not the destination, it's kind of true. Yeah. 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 Well, when I got that first million quid, what was I, I was 24 close to turning 25 lasted about a week yeah. that i got excited for it's like when you get a new car isn't it if you've always like what like i come from quite a poor background i had this when i very first started in recruitment i was like i really wanted to get a renault megan coupe cabriolet right we're like and i knew the exact spec and the model and the what like just that's just what I, I know it's a bit of a hairdresser car but that's what i wanted and i was like in my early 20s and and i was like what do i have to do and i was asking like the, the the people that i worked for and they were saying right okay this is the target you need to hit to get your car allowance and blah blah, blah. and then um i got it it lasted i'm not kidding you like two days the anti-climax of striving for something for years and years and getting it and going Oh, it's not as great as I thought it would be. Gold, Where do gold you go medalists from there? say that, don't they? Gold medalists say that. You know, like the people that have hit the top, top, you know, they've been working all their life to be like, I don't know, Mo Farah. And then they, they get there and it's really yeah. not. They're still that same. Actually, I'm the same person. And actually, yeah. this, what, what do I wake up for the next day? It's been really interesting. Thank you very much for your time. All the best with everything, guys. I know you're, you're just starting out with this and this is the first interview. I think you're going to be really great. I think you've got a great style and uh, best of luck to you. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. Told you it was a great chat with Jamie. The thing about his dad dying young and how that continues to remind him that life is short and motivates him to be better really highlights how he can take anything and use it as motivation and positivity. 
As we mentioned earlier, you can be in with a shout to win Jamie's book that he recommended. So he recommended The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. All you need to do is literally use your app to share, rate and review this podcast. Hit us up so we know all about it. Tag us and share it on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is at GetSavvyClub. Or you can just simply email it to us at info at GetSavvyClub.co.uk or share it on any of the other socials. You can find us on LinkedIn, at Facebook, Instagram. That's another episode done. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you soon. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.